piece of music you're listening to is called Dubby Heights. It's a dub reggae soundtrack with a very down-tempo feel, which I wrote while working as an English teacher in Korea in 2011. You're listening to How I Make Music, a weekly show for music and audio producers to go behind the scenes of soundtrack composition and write more compelling music. Each Wednesday, I break down a soundtrack that I've written and share the insights and decisions behind how it was made. My name is John Bartman. I'm a music composer and producer from South Africa, and this is How I Make Music. My first exposure to this kind of dub reggae music was in Korea in 2011, where I was stationed as an English teacher. For the first time, coming from South Africa, I had access to high bandwidth streaming, so I was able to listen to a lot more music and a lot more different styles. After a particularly busy day of teaching screaming kids, I found that dub reggae was pretty much the best thing for me to just come down, chill out. And so I tried to capture some of that feel in this soundtrack. What I love most about dub reggae is that it's so unobtrusive. It just sits in the background And so it's soundtrack music by nature. So you know how this works by now. We take apart individual parts of the song and I'll comment and offer some insights onto how and why I wrote them that way. Let's start with the drums this week. So I'm going to play you the drum track just on its own. The drums I used in this are a very basic and easily accessible patch called the British Vintage Light. Anyone who uses Ableton Live, like I do, will know that that's one of the first live rock-sounding drum kits that you're able to access. Immediately you can hear there's the reggae influence. One, two, three, four. Dun, chuck, dun, chuck. In fact, the rumor has it that the word reggae came about as a result of the sound of the rhythm going... Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. That's the apocryphal tale. Not sure if it's true, but if you strum a guitar in a reggae style, it does definitely sound like the word reggae. And the drums match this. What I'd like to do is focus on the effects that are on the drums. We've got a few effects to make it sound really live. So I'll play a passage for you now. You'll hear three different types of the same exact drum loop. The first one is really uh, live and wet, as you might call it, surrounded with reverb and long decay times, meaning that it sounds like it's in a slightly echoey room. The second one is slightly drier. The third one is almost completely dry. And then I'll play that in reverse order, so you can hear it go from live and wet sounding down to dry and studio sounding, and then back to live and wet sounding. Give it a listen. All I've done to create this difference in the sound is to tweak two parameters. One, the reverb wet-dry, and two, 
the decay value of the individual drum samples. You don't have to write a very complex musical part. There's so many different things that you can do to bring richness and complexity to your composition using software and these kinds of effects. The trick is actually practicing limitation and restraint in using the effects. Because when you're writing to spec, if someone comes to you and says, I need you to write a dub reggae song, you'll find that actually your options are more limited than you think, and you need to be able to practice delivering good stuff within limitations. You might have noticed that it sounds like there's a beatbox going on on top of the drums. Let's hear it on its own. To create this sound, I recorded my own voice and chopped up the samples into individual hits like ah and z, and then loaded that into a drum rack and was able to play along with the beats in time. I very much doubt that there are any recordings from the 60s where people were doing this. Um, and the reason I've included a human voice on top of the drums is, even though it deviates from the authenticity of, of dub reggae, is because I find that having a human voice in any form raises the energy level or the intensity of your soundtrack composition. It's just something that I can predictably rely on if there's a voice singing or a sampled voice or a voice beatboxing along that's layered in amongst all the other instruments, then people tend to respond to it better. It's no surprise that one of my most popular tracks has a simple do-do-do vocal. Give it a quick listen. That track is called 90s Sitcom Joy. It's currently my number one selling track, and um, we'll cover it in a later episode. I very much doubt that would be as popular as it is if that vocal part was a guitar solo, for example. So the take-home here, use vocals. If you want to get people's attention, use vocals. So let's go back to that beatbox. Here is the beatbox and the drum kit layered again one more time. Cool, let's move on to the low end. Here is the bass line played on its own. This is another very easily accessible Ableton instrument called Boffner Bass. And the reason I liked it was because it actually has a top end which sounds a little bit like a theremin. Theremin has that sound. Here is a recording of the inventor, Leo Theremin, playing his own instrument. You get an idea of how a theremin should sound. And here are one or two bars of the bass again with that wobbly theremin sound.
it's an unusual combination of sounds. The low end, typically in production, you uh, cut off the higher frequencies of the low end, but I just thought it would sound a little bit more interesting and in line with the dub siren sound that was popularized during the making of this kind of music. Let me play an example of a dub siren for you. I originally was going to include this in the track, but I decided not to because it clashes a little too much with the vocals. Here's what a dub siren kind of sounds like. When most people hear that, they think of an air raid or an ambulance. It's an LFO instrument, a low-frequency oscillator. It's used extensively throughout um, you know, m modern machinery. And the reason I decided to leave it out was because it is so intrusive that it will make any talking over the top of it super difficult to focus on. Right now I'm trying to illustrate the point that when there's a siren in the background it's difficult to focus on what I'm saying, even if the siren is really quiet. If there's a golden rule for soundtrack music it is this, don't write anything that is going to take away from the vocals or the action or the dialogue that is supposed to lay on top of the soundtrack. If you're writing a theme or something that is a moment on its own that's fine, then you can bring personality to it. But if it's for background music, for example, in film or in, you know, an, as, a, as a bed for some radio host to speak over, you have to avoid including sounds like a siren, no matter how true they are to the genre, simply because nine out of ten people are going to say, please take it out, it's distracting. Rather write music that complements the dialogue or the vocals. The guitar part for this piece was recorded on um, an acoustic steel string guitar. Let's give it a listen. Throughout the whole track, it's as simple as that. A minor to G and back. So to bring some life to it, I decided that I was going to do something a little different. Normally, to save time, I'll record four bars of a guitar, and then I'll just loop it for as long as needed. But for this track, I actually recorded the entire part start to finish, so you won't hear anything repeating. Another trick I included was to play incompetently, if that makes sense. I decided not to let each chord ring out as if I was trying to get a part right, but instead I just put my head down and I just tucked in, like I just kind of felt it out. And most of the time that meant holding all the strings and you'll hear that none of them actually ring. There's a lot of hand sound. There's a lot of sound of me hitting the guitar. I felt it was a different approach and I'm not sure why I imagine it to work, but to me it does. So listen again to the guitar here. I'll play a long passage for you and just listen to how human and organic it sounds. That was the aim for this, uh, for this part. Here's about 30 seconds of that guitar.
So you hear what I mean by playing incompetently. I didn't feel that this was something that needed to be corrected. I felt that this was capturing the spirit of perhaps a Kingston recording studio or perhaps just, you know, an effort at making something sound a little bit um, human. The main reason I could get away with it was because the same part is being doubled by the keys and the organ. So let's give the organ and the piano part for this song a listen on their own. The piano and the organ aren't playing exactly the same thing. It's almost as if they're being played by two separate players with their own style or their own interpretation of this chord progression. So the take home here is if you're going to be doing soundtrack music and playing, you know, a lot of different instruments or a lot of different, you know, patches, you've got to look for ways to make them sound like they were being played with uh, by different people in an ensemble. And this is one way to do it. Split your mind <laughs> into two or three different people and approach a simple part like this differently for each person. Put on a different mindset for each part that you record. There is a huge and super important aspect of dub music that we haven't really discussed and it sounds like this. That is the sound of what you could call a metal snare being run through a delay. Delay is one of the foundational building blocks of dub reggae music. Dub reggae started as an offshoot of reggae. Producers took the instrumental parts of reggae music and they remixed them using mixing desks, using effects like delay and reverb. It was actually classified as a type of electronic music, if you can believe that. So delay became an instrument on its own. And in this track, I've used delay to extend out the sound of a metal snare fill. So listen again, and you'll hear the initial metal snare, and then you'll hear it fade out, and then it kind of comes back in the form of a delay, a rolling delay wash. I haven't used it nearly enough in this track. If you find yourself writing dub reggae music, definitely ride that delay like it's its own instrument. Have a lot of different options for delay and try to avoid using uh, synchronization on the delay. That's also a super fun way to spend the time playing with delay. Cool, so that's about it for this week's episode featuring the soundtrack Dubby Heights. We'll listen to the full soundtrack in just a minute, but before we do that, thank you for listening to How I Make Music, my weekly Wednesday show in which I break down an original soundtrack that I've written and I share the insights behind how it was made so that audio producers, composers can make better music or at least just find out what other people like us are up to. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, tell everybody about it if you like it, if you need music for your own podcast production or your own show or your own video, get in touch. I'm super generous and you can go download it directly from my website. That's johnbartman.com, J-O-H-N-B-A-R-T-M-A-N-N.com. 
I am getting more and more inquiries about my work, which is super exciting. Uh, it seems that this podcast is starting to yield some results, so thank you very much if you've been a regular listener of the show so far. You can go to the music page on that site and you can search for tracks by keyword, for example, dub or reggae or guitar. And let me know if you can't find something and I'll consider making it for you. And one last thing I seem to always forget, I have got this podcast on Spotify. If you're on Spotify listening to podcasts, search for How I Make Music and you'll find me. Thanks again for listening. Now here's Dubby Heights, a vintage sounding uh, dub reggae track with a super chill out feel created with a lot of love and a lot of heart in its entirety. Catch you next week.